This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's not I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome. It's Monday, 24 April, the year of our 2023. Pretty, two big, pretty blockbuster stories already today. Susan Rice uh, is out. She's leaving the White House, and Tucker Carlson's leaving Fox. We're going to spend a lot more time on the Tucker situation in the 6 o'clock hour because we've got a lot of work to do here. We're going to get uh, more up-to-date information on all that. Um, I want to start. There's, there's some confusion. I asked James Rodosky who was at the uh, James was at the World War Three conference the early years this weekend. James, talk to us. Uh, you know, we had Reggie Littlejohn on this morning. And I want to make sure because our audience, this is a top priority from when you brought it to us, I think a couple of years. It was at least last spring. It might even be before that. You're an independent researcher. Talk to me about this WHO, WHA. Where do we actually stand in this? Reggie, we've got people going to her site to get ready to petition Congress because, quite frankly, there's just not enough activity on Capitol Hill. But where do we stand with all this right now? Well, the assembly itself is in about 27 days. It starts on May 21st to the 30th. Um, The negotiations regarding the treaty and the um, proposed amendments to the international health regulations have been about as secret as you could imagine. You know, they've had week-long meetings where they had a half an hour at the beginning and all they really told us was that they've been having secret meetings, intercessionary, you know, between the official meetings. And, and, and it's just secrecy all around. And then they'll have a half an hour or an hour meeting at the end, you know, giving you a summary of what they talked about in secret. And so the um, news today that I just um, dug up is that my biggest concern about the whole pile of treaty and amendments centered around what the Indonesian health minister talked about back in November, and it got signed into the um, declaration from Bali, um, the G20, uh, is all centered around the Global Digital Health Certificate. Well, what they've been doing over the past week or so is uploading documents in preparation for the assembly coming in 27 days, and report O in these documents stated that basically they're just going to do it. They're just doing it, Steve. They're just implementing a global digital health certification network. Forget the treaty, forget the amendments. They're just busy implementing it. Now they say, oh, it's on a voluntary basis. Well, what they've been doing, building the infrastructure, if you could imagine you know, the infrastructure needed to be able to track and trace everybody on the planet, Right. I mean, you know, it's a large systems task. I actually studied computer science, you know, back before there were computers. And so um, the the point of these documents, Report O, it's published on the WHO website. They essentially say, you know, um, they're working with partners to establish a global digital health certificate 
Certification Network, which is intended to enable member states to verify the authenticity of vaccination certificates issued under the IHR. And so they buried it under um, an update report on yellow fever. If you go to Annex 6 in the international health regulations, if people have traveled around the world, you know, you may have gotten um, a yellow fever vaccination. And so they're expanding on that aspect of the international health regulation. They want to digitize it, and then they would be able to expand it, and nations could require whatever it is they, they would like to require. And so, you know, it, it appears in, in many ways um, the treaty is the treaty. You know, they keep saying they're not going to do anything until 2024. The amendments, they keep saying they're not going to do anything until 2024. It sounds to me like they're arguing amongst themselves, but it seems on this topic, which has been my biggest concern, you can go to rejectdigitalenslavement.com. Um, um, they're just going to do it. They're just implementing it. You know, it's, it's technology. It's just get all the systems um, built out, you know, have interoperable databases, have every nation build out the systems that they need to plug into it. Um, Europe pretty much already has it. You know, they have a, a network in uh, Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, probably the difficult sticking point will be the United States because our database is a mess. Okay. Um, you know, going back, if, if you look at me, if I'm anything, you know, I'm, uh, you know I started with um, studying computers and, and, and computer science and data analysis and, and how you build systems. You know, building these systems takes time. It takes money. Um, and, and they're just doing it in the background. And, and so they put out a couple tell, of reports. Okay. But, but let's, let's go to the World Health Assembly for a second. What is this digital? It's not quite a passport. Be specific. What are they trying to implement? They, they want to help. Everybody's got a health certificate. Is it constantly updated? I mean, just what is the core thing that they're trying to they're trying to push out? Currently, um, you know, I actually happen to have one here. Um, my girlfriend, Marissa, um, um, came from the Philippines in 1972 and she had to fill out, I can actually show you, hopefully you can see it on screen, right? There's, there's a form that you get, literally, a vaccine passport. Now, some people may have these. Um, this goes all the way back to the international sanitary regulations. You can find this in, our, in I'm sorry, Annex 6 of the international health regulations. Everyone has you know, pretty much accepted, if you're going to go to Africa or some area where there might be yellow fever, Oh, I got to get a vaccination. They're trying to take that and just expand it enormously and digitize it so that any nation, they have four things that they've listed. It's primarily coming out of the EU. Um, they want to have what people would call a vaccine passport. They, they're now calling it a vaccine certificate. They want to have a testing certificate. I think we should all know by now that the tests are completely bogus. They want to have a um, prophylaxis certificate, whatever that might mean. You know, maybe it means you have to take certain drugs as a preventative. And they want to have a recovery certificate, which might be, you know, testing for antibodies or some such thing, which is how they've manipulated all of the studies for vaccines. They don't actually give you immunity. They give you an immune response. You can measure antibody levels and claim that that, you know, is, is your protection. Really, Steve, it's a compliance certificate. Oh, you're a nice, compliant man or woman. Um, you've allowed us to do this to your body or you know, stick something up your nose to test you for this and that. And, and you're complying with the dictates of your overlords and your rulers. You'll have a QR code. What, 
on your what what has been okay before we get to that where do we stand with like who's representing the united states i remember we had a public comment time i think it was last may around this time correct me if i'm wrong everybody called in we listened in you know we heard all the debates going on people called in who's representing the united states is it a department is it a cabinet head who's representing it how is this going to be paid for? Is the United States writing a check to the WHO to pay? Because these countries don't have money to pay for this. And is it a line item? Because we can make this part of the budget fight about that's one of the woke and weaponized things that are carved out of here. So, so let's start with who's representing the United States in all of this. And, uh, and, and actually, have we committed, the United States committed to pay for it? Um, represents us at the WHO is um, two separate tracks because there is the treaty. And in the treaty, um, Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, has named at an ambassador level Pamela Hamamoto. And all her contact information and stuff is, is, is on my site. Um, for the um, amendments to the international health regulations, there's two people involved. Um, a member, a vice chairperson of the working group to consider the amendments, his name is Colin McIv. He's a member of the... Um, uh, health and Human Services, but the person who is actually speaking on the floor um, is Mara Burr, M-A-R-A-B-U-R-R. -R. In, in previous articles, I've put all their contact information. People can call them and send them emails. I can pretty much guarantee you they're not going to pick up the phone and they're not going to answer their emails. But those are the people who are responsible for speaking on our behalf. Um, they have done no public comment whatsoever, you know, in regards to the amendments. Um, in terms of paying for this, you know, this is just ongoing budgetary um, implementation. They're just building out computer systems. Um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, for the way we are just making money out of thin air, uh, you know, this is a drop in the bucket for them to digitize. Don't, I know a part of this was tucked into the National Defense Authorization Act. But on something like this, this is a treaty. Why is this? Why are we in this conundrum where this does not have to come back to the Senate to be debated and then passed by a two-thirds vote? Why is this being treated differently? We're getting to the crux of the matter, and the ability to talk to you about this on my birthday is the best birthday present I can have, Steve. Um, last year, okay, everybody has been just completely confused about this. Um, the process by which the international health regulations are amended has got nothing to do with the Senate. It does not need a signature. People have cognitive dissonance about, dissonance about this, so let me try to explain it. If you hear somebody speak the word treaty, okay, you're talking about the wrong thing. The amendments to the international health regulations do not need a signature they do not need the advice and consent of the Senate, and I can prove it with the greatest of ease. Last year, despite what people believe, okay, the World Health Assembly did adopt amendments to five articles of the international health regulations. They would seek to shorten the time period by which they come into force legally. And so those five articles were amended last year. I've been screaming and yelling up and down about it for 11 months, and I finally get a chance to talk to you about it on The War Room. It, it's a cognitive dissonance that people have because we've been 
a member and party to the international health regulations for decades. Part of what we are agreed to is the method by which they are amended. And all that is needed is for 194 unknown, unaccountable, un, you know, elected, just appointed um, people like Mara Burr to get into a room in Geneva, agree to change the amendments, and that's it. It's done. No other proactive um, action is needed. What is needed is what they call the silence procedure. We're already 11 months gone from last May 27, when they adopted five amendments to five articles. There's another seven months left where any nation can just reject them under Article 61 of the International Health Regulations. They can just say, no, you know, we see your amendments, thank you very much, but we'll pass, we reject them. That's possible for every nation on earth to do. There's been a, a public petition um, in the UK. There's um, a public petition in uh, Canada. There's one pending in Australia. We don't have that kind of petition system in the United States. I've spoken to um, at least one senator. I'm supposed to be talking to another senator's office tomorrow. Everybody is asleep at the wheel in a coma. They don't realize that last year, the international health regulations were amended and all that is required for that to become international law, seven more months to go by with just silence and ignoring. Close the mind. James, how do people, let's get your site. What, what's the site? Where do people go? I know you explain all this on the site. Where do people go to to get, and we'll get you back on with Michelle Bachman and Reggie. We've got to get hardest, to the bottom of this. So where do they go to get all this information? The hardest part is spelling my name. It's James Rogeski, J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I um, dot substack dot com. And if you want to take action, it's really simple. Um, go to exit the WHO dot com and start nagging on your congresspeople and senators to get us out of the WHO because they're trying to do all of these things in secret. And now yeah. um, they've used evidence that they're trying to implement the global digital health certificate pretty much in the background with nobody known about it. OK, we're, we're on it. We'll make sure everybody gets to the site. I want everybody to go to James's site right now. And James. Yeah. Three one zero. I'm glad nine. you consider. I, I'm I'm glad you consider this a great a great uh, birthday present. But happy birthday, brother! That's ever, Steve. Thank you. You certainly don't look sixty three. Let me say that. Okay, short commercial break. The Brian Kennedy joins us after a short commercial break. Inflation has consequences as the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending. Long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never looked more important to you. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. 
They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401ks that are tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, either gold or silver. And here's the best part. It's tax sheltered. Let me repeat that. It's tax sheltered. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today. Take action. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Wow. Talk about a mess, and with our sovereignty at stake, this is one of the reasons these budget debases, these uh, not even debases, dogfight over uh, the spending. You know, part of it is to get this woke and weaponized. And I've been an advocate since President Trump's first term. Just pull the plug, get out of WHR. This is even before the pandemic. Uh, you know, Andrew Bremberg was our ambassador. There's two things to the UN I want to make, and I'm going to bring Brian Kennedy in here in a second. There's two. The UN has two structures. It has the the General Assembly in the in the Security Council that you see all the time, that's on TV, that's in New York with the magnificent building, the cameras are there, it's always the drama of people going up and addressing the General Assembly. That's really the performative part, and you take out the, the Security Council, that's obviously pretty important, but the, the rest is purely performative. The votes are always massively against us. Where the work gets done is the engine room in Geneva, and that's where you have really the operational functional units of the UN where your money is being shoveled over there like crazy. And that's where you have UNESCO. That's where you have the World Health Organization, all of it. And that engine room, and it's massive with tens of thousands of employees, they got their hands in everywhere. As Bremberg uh, told us, he came on the show about a year or so ago, the Chinese Communist Party is totally and completely infiltrate the entire thing. I mean, they essentially run the show to a large extent. And he said, it's just incredible, their power particularly when they put up virtually no money. You know, we pay for it. I've been a, a big advocate from day one. It's pull, the, pull the plug for the whole thing. Pull the plug for the whole thing. It's, a, it's an absolute, complete joke. Anti-American, anti-true um, democracy, really totalitarian the way it's run. We should pull the plug in the whole thing. And this WHO, as you see from the pandemic, this is getting very scary now about our sovereignty. And the problem I've got is people on Capitol Hill are really asleep about it. I mean, you've got Michelle Bachman, you've got some real firebrands that are on it. But the National Defense Authorization Act, which is obviously quite important, but that's why they jam it down at the last second. You have to vote. And it was like, I don't know, 2000 pages right on page 900. You see where they've kind of backdoored agreed. Now it can go to court, but kind of backdoored agreed uh, to uh, to arrangements like this. I won't even call them treaties. Let me bring it. By the way, on Saturday, uh, Philip Patrick is on. I want everybody to go to birchgold.com right now because we'll get you up to speed on the debt fight. Begin the three, the third free installment on uh, my end of the dollar empire. This part being the debt trap. Also, you can go and find out about your 401k, uh, your IRA, all of that, in a tax-free transfer into into precious metals. Here's we're not here to get. We give a lot of micro and a lot and more macro, some micro economics on here. We don't get investment advice. However, you should immerse yourself in information now. You know, Philip talked about the central banks throughout the world bought more gold in 2022, I think they'd ever done in history. And you've got the Bank of Japan, you've got Russia, you've got India, you've got China. 
those guys are making a move. And my theory of the case is that we're now going to almost a gold standard with the bricks that are fighting us. The, the, the de-dollarization of the planet is built around right now resources and resource backed by gold or these, these currencies, these countries like the ruble. Look what the ruble's done since he pegged it to gold. So there's something big going on here. And here's my point. You have to learn more. That's one of the things you try to do and everything. This is what we're trying to do in this World Health Organization is make sure we cut through uh, the underbrush here so that you can have a clear understanding, but immerse yourself and then weaponize yourself. I want to bring in Brian Kennedy. Brian, um, the, the weekend seminar, and this is, I just want your take on this because we said, hey, this is not the, the seminar, the Third World War, the early years, and I talked about the, the scale of this war, the urgency of the task ahead of us, but particularly how it's so unique in the fact that we've got a massive fifth column here that doesn't agree with our war objectives is that the CCP goes down, America's victorious, and we don't shed any blood. We do this like we took down the Soviet empire, the evil empire with President Reagan. Um, give us your assessment of not just the weekend, but where are we stand in this war. And things like this WHO is a perfect example where they're trying to seed out and bleed out American sovereignty every second of the day, sir. Well, thank you, Steve. Great to be with you. Um, it was great at that weekend seminar with the American Freedom Alliance in here in Southern California to see so many members of the War Room Posse. Um, I must say, before I say anything else, that the War Room Posse is the real thing that gives me hope. I hear all, you know, I hear James Roguski and everything he's saying and Reggie Littlejohn uh, on the morning show. Who I'm really inspired by is the War Room Posse. I got to meet 300 of them or many of them anyway, uh, on the weekend, they're a, a, an extremely smart, uh, articulate, passionate audience about defending human freedom. And it was there that I heard someone say, well, wait a minute, all this WHO stuff, talk about a central bank digital currency, all these things, don't we have leverage now that we have Congress and we have to vote for a debt ceiling? Can't we eliminate these bad things with our political power in Congress today? And where are the people standing up and using the leverage we do have today to make sure that we're defended from these otherwise uh, ridiculous ideas that these international organizations come up with? We're still the United States of America. The Constitution is still the sovereign law of the land. It's still the supreme law of the land. It's the thing that gives us, we have, we have a natural right to live as free human beings and our constitution protects us. Why aren't we using the parts of it that we have at our disposal to make sure that we remain a free people? That was one takeaway I got from the conference. The other is we live in a very dangerous world made more so by Joe Biden that the only thing that's really going to get us back on the right track is getting Donald Trump back in office. A lot of the people there, interestingly, um, I, didn't, I couldn't find anybody who thought Ron DeSantis should be running for president. I'm sure there, there had to be some there. Almost everybody thought President Trump needs to be back in office. Ron DeSantis, great governor, he's our future, but when at that event, when you proposed or you speculated that if it wasn't Carrie Lake, it could be Robert Kennedy Jr. as vice president, 
the crowd erupted with an enthusiasm that I was, I personally was very surprised by. And so there's something going on in American politics where nationalism is, is that Donald Trump and you and the war room have been advocating for these, these past decade, really, that's rising up here. And so it's harnessing those forces, rejecting those ridiculous parts of international law. I mean, it's a, it's a shame we even have to talk about talking about our sovereignty with the WHO. That, that should be a non-starter here. That, that shouldn't even be anything that is, is, uh, could pass any kind of muster. Senators and congressmen should be rejecting that out of hand. But it's a lesson for us that the only way we're really going to be uh, secure in our rights is to have a bigger Congress or bigger majority in Congress and to take over the Senate, but most importantly, get the presidency back again. Because so long as President Biden is entertaining these ideas and pushing forward with allowing the United States to be part of any of these international organizations, then I think the American people are in trouble and vulnerable in this third world war we find ourselves in. We're not, we're not physically prepared or intellectually prepared to fight the third world war. And that's the real that's the real problem we have to deal with. I personally think this, that this was yeah this was the thing of the weekend of having it. I want to get to, to your thought, but this I want you to comment the scale of this war, the scale of this conflict, uh, the urgency because they've already declared it on us and unrestricted warfare they're on the tables, and the uniqueness that we have a fifth column here that we have to address that everybody's not pulling the same way. What are your thoughts about that, about that that kind of as a group, that this makes this very unique in American history? And we're certainly not prepared for it. I mean, the war and posse is now getting prepared for it. And they're the ones most sophisticated because we've been covering this for the last couple of years. But I talk and I'm quite frankly, one of the reasons I, I wasn't able to make it out. I've, I've been in a series of meetings and other things. And I'm kind of shocked sometimes when I actually talk to very smart people. And this is like it's in the ether, but it's not part of how they think about the world right now and how dangerous a place it is. Well, that's a great point, Steve. I mean, when you talk about the fifth column, part of the fifth column are people who actually think the future is communist China. I know really smart people who think, well, look, we know China is a problem, but ultimately they're the ones who have 1.4 billion people. They're the ones who are going to have the dominant economic power in the world. And so we have to position ourselves now to accommodate them somehow or live with them somehow and make sure we don't ever go to war, which in effect is kowtowing to them. You look at our oligarchs on Wall Street, that's what they believe. They believe that China is one and now we have to transfer the wealth of the United States somehow over time to communist China. And so they're gonna oppose any president or congressman or senator who wants to stand up for American national security, right? And so when you look at the Larry Finks of the world or the Stephen Schwartzmans or the Steve Mnuchin, who was, in, who was in the Trump administration, they're not standing up for the American people. They're standing up for a globalist concept where the United States is one of many nations and in a very important respect, a secondary part of that nation. And that, that's really, I think, where we find ourselves today, which is why any of these bad ideas have any oxygen whatsoever. The global elites, the oligarchs, look, Tucker Carlson is out today at Fox News. I can tell you, 
I don't know any of the details, but in broad terms, it meant that Rupert Murdoch, as one of the media oligarchs in this country, and Tucker Carlson could not come to an agreement about something. And in that something, he took his most popular show and fired the host. No, it's amazing. Um, the biggest show at Fox, which is the biggest cable network. We're going to get into more of that at 6 o'clock. Let's, uh, let's take a short commercial break. Brian Kennedy's going to be with us through the break. i got the Ben Harnwell. A lot to go through, a lot of wood to chop here in the war room. Back in a moment. Friends, it's hard to trust anything anymore. Our most important institutions are being systematically destroyed. Are you prepared for things to get worse? Because true freedom comes from self-reliance. And that means having emergency food on hand. Invest your food foundation with three-month emergency food kits from My Patriot Supply. That's a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. These kits provide over 2,000 calories per day for energy during tough times. Get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. The food's delicious. Your whole family will love it. Order yours today and receive, receive a free gravity-powered Alexa Pure Pro water filtration system valued at $279 as a bonus. Let me repeat that. You order today. You get a free gravity-powered Alexa Pure Pro water filtration system valued at $279 as a bonus. With this offer, you're securing food and purified water for the next crisis. Your three-month kit and free Alexa Pure Pro are all shipped to your doorstep in discreet boxes with free shipping included. Don't let this emergency food offer from My Patriot Supply pass. Action today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Get your order in and your free gravity-powered Alexa Pure Pro water filtration system valued at $279. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bann. So, Brian, give it, give us your take. What is your, you're the guy I go to as a big thinker, you know, one of the best strategies around there. As we have to roll this out, and I said, it, you know, it's got to be two, it's got to be an outside game and an inside game. The outside game is all the Warren Posse, MAGA, America First. Then the next is the Republicans and the conservatives that may not be on board. And then it's to the American people. That's the outside game. The inside game has got to be working, obviously, with Congressman Gallagher and other people on Capitol Hill to build the consensus here. But the first, and then and then to infuse this into the 2024 uh, campaign as a major topic, in fact, the topic, at the same time, be training up our own cadres for when we take over again. It won't be like 16, where we had the 4,000, you know, we have 4,000 political appointees that don't have to get Senate confirmed and we're just not ready. We don't have the bench. We have to have the bench. We have to have the landing teams, the beachhead teams. I mean, we have to hit it right after we win in, in November. So walk me through your ideas of what plan we have to do to do, accomplish all that. Because if we don't if we don't drive this into the middle of the conversation, and part of this, I know we're doing in this debt fight right now, but if we don't drive this into the one of the hearts of the conversation, we're going to lose this war. Or... We're going to slide in because my theory of the case is victory without bloodshed. We will leave the no bloodshed part and have to get to an old fashioned kinetic war of, quite frankly, I think right now the Seventh Fleet's not quite up to it 
on the defense of Taiwan in the kinetic part. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it, Steve. When it comes to the inside game, the Committee on the Present Danger of China is working with Congressman Gallagher and Roger Robinson, part of our team, and Frank Gaffney and I. We've met with Congressman Gallagher. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to work with his team to make sure that the experts on the Committee on the Present Danger of China are working to make sure that the best arguments and explanations and analysis being presented to the committee, and hopefully that's broadcast far and wide. On the on the outside game of talking to the American people, I think this, this conference we had in Los Angeles is the kind of thing that should be done all over the country, not only to, to, to talk to the war room posse, to talk to the American people, but to make sure these ideas are as relevant in Washington, D.C. as they are in Phoenix, Arizona, or in Atlanta, Georgia, or in Detroit, Michigan, or anywhere in the country where we can make our case that the current administration is not making sure we are adequately defended. That, that concern that Americans have is palpable, that there is something wrong that a darkness ha has enveloped the earth and that on a variety of fronts, war has broken out and that there is something going on, whether it's China preparing for war or the adoption of some of these ridiculous things in these world, we're like the World Health Organization issue you've been discussing. There's something that has to be addressed and making sure that as many people as possible understand that is extremely important. And so getting getting that level of knowledge up and then making sure those people are actively engaged, educating their friends and neighbors. I would not discount in any way the importance of village by village, as you've often said, educating our fellow countrymen about what needs to happen. And then once it's clear that we have a path forward. I mean, let me, let me be clear. We do have a path forward. It's just animating all those disparate elements to move forward with this. And so we need to stop the inter-party bickering, ultimately, that there'll be a process of all that. But we need to actually get going here to build those landing teams, to make sure we know how to take back the White House. Can we win the election? What will be required to do that? What will be required to have fair elections? Not so easy to do, but we have to win the elections and then we have to actually govern in a more serious way than we did during those four years of the first Trump administration when he was really at war with the administrative state. That administrative state really does need to be dismantled. And that theme that you broadcast back in, I think 2018 or 2017, I'm not sure, that really is the thing that we actually have to carry out. That may not be a so-called winning message in describing the crisis we're in, but that's actually the thing we have to do. And much more intellectual work needs to be done on that. I know the folks at Hillsdale College and the Claremont Institute are both spending a lot of time thinking about those things and making sure that when we do take power again, we can actually recover constitutional government. We wouldn't be having any of these con uh, conversations if we were actually uh, following our constitution, which today in so many ways is inoperable. People just don't believe it anymore in Washington. They don't think about it. We don't, we don't operate 
in a constitutional way. Constitutionalism as a way of thinking through things, it's not there. Joe Biden and the Democrats in Congress, they believe that administratively they can go do whatever they want to. So they can, they can adopt these rules through executive order and impose a kind of digital tyranny on the American people. And I can tell you the American people are not going to sit for it. And I think that that is, uh, and let them try, but we Americans are not going to allow our freedoms to be taken away by some bureaucrat, whether he's in Washington, D.C. or in Geneva, Switzerland. That's not going to happen. We need to wake the American people up and make sure that we're fighting on all fronts. Um, give me the, uh, in a day where, you know, Tucker's out at, at Fox, Don Lemon's out at CNN, uh, Probably the one that could have the biggest impact is Susan Rice is out at the White House. Give me a, a minute or two. You talk about the Constitution. I'm looking at she she's been the enforcer from the Obama administration, making the Biden term really Obama's third and most radical term. Your thoughts on uh, Susan Rice leaving? She's extremely talented, and I imagine they're going to move her from the White House to the campaign. And it will require all of her focus to make sure they haven't said that. But I imagine it's the case that she's going to focus on what will it take to get Joe Biden reelected. And that's not the job of just, you know, a few volunteers here and there. That will require major strategic thinking on the part of someone like Susan Rice and all the political and legal teams she has underneath her. There is a massive network of people required to engage in the level of of campaigning and election activity that the Democratic Party does. It's a massive effort that, that uh, if they're at 100, the Republicans are somewhere around, you know, seven or eight. It's, it's, it doesn't even compare. The Democrats have to do so much more to win elections or steal elections. And the Republicans are not even playing in the same game. And so you, I, my own view is Susan Rice is leaving the White House to go organize and construct whatever it is they're going to need to do in 2024. And, 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 and if, yeah, I know people, the mention of her name, hate her, but she's a tough hombre, very right, tough to- hombre. Totally. She, she, she and Holder are the, she and Holder were the enforcers for, uh, Obama's just drifting around. They're the enforcers, right? And that's we why she was plugged into the domestic policy. We don't like these folks, right? But we don't have enough respect for how talented they are. We don't have these same people on our side, operational, right? We have a lot of good people on our side, but they're good people. These other folks, they're operational. We don't have the the Mark Elias's and the Susan Rice. They're killers, stone-cold killers. Uh, Brian, how do people get to you at American Strategy? I want to have you back on and spend more time in this debt fight on my favorite topic, Chinese government bonds that they stiff the American people on. Uh, so, but where can people get to you to find out more information on that? Where can they get to you to find out everything you're working on, particularly your social media? Uh, thank you, Steve. Presentdangerchina.org is a, is a great place for them, to, for the audience to go to learn more about what it is we do. Uh, on social media, I'm Brian T. Kennedy on Getter uh, and on Truth Social and Brian T. Kennedy one on Twitter. Uh, but I don't I don't go to Twitter that often. I'm mostly I'm on Getter and I encourage people to go to Getter. Brian Kennedy, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for being at the conference. We're going to roll this out. Big league. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Steve. Whew.
I tell you, uh, we're going to have uh, updates on, <laughs> somebody told it was Red Wedding Day. We're going to have updates on the Don Lemon situation, Tucker Carlson situation, all of it in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, but I want to get the signal, although that's got some pretty big signals in it. I want to get some signal. I got um, So Harnwell, uh, on your Saturday hit, I, I got buzz all weekend on this, and then the Chinese, she played this card. You had this incredible analysis and piece that I think from the Times of London that talked about champagne and oysters uh, at, in Kiev. It was like it was a takeoff on when they when General McClellan took over the army from with uh, President Lincoln and, and didn't really use it for about six or eight months. Some of the congressmen started saying, hey, it's champagne and oysters every night on the Potomac. We got to get this army to fight. I want to talk about the particularly a bombshell over the weekend where the Chinese, I think, uh, senior emissary kind of just dropped a little dime on him and said, hey, you know, according to Beijing, we're not too sure about the sovereignty of all these former Soviet states. Aren't they just all part of, you know, Russia, maybe, and Ukraine and Crimea? And it hit like a bombshell that all these guys have been running to Beijing and, you know, Macron and, you know, Beijing, and we don't want the dollar and America's got to do a Taiwan. All of a sudden... Their 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 big efforts that Beijing's going to pull everybody up. Beijing's going to uh, going to save everybody, and they can all run to the CCP and away from the United States. Not looking so good on Monday afternoon, is it, sir? <laughs> good afternoon, Steve. Yeah, well, this is uh, you're referring to the comments of Ambassador Lu Shei, who is the Chinese ambassador to to France. He gave an interview on Saturday. Um, and I've actually got the International Bureau looking into to, to the veracity of what he says here. Um, his argument is basically um, that after the fall of the Soviet Union in, in 1991, these sovereign territories that, that, that came out of that, like Lithuania, Estonia, uh, Latvia and what have you, they, weren't, they haven't been formally recognised as, as sovereign states in and of their own right. Um, now... Obviously, that, that, that does strike one initially as being somewhat um, an unusual argument to make. Interestingly, those comments of Ambassador Shea have been roundly condemned, especially by these three countries specifically. But no one has actually said, historically, this is not true. These countries have been inter internationally recognised uh, in, in this state. They just said that his, his comments are unacceptable uh, and what have you, and they're quite understandable. Um, expected outrage. I have, Steve, some some um, analysis, if I may quickly run through on, on this sure. argument. Um, the first is that the Chinese don't do their thinking aloud. They're not, they're not adventurers. They don't go in for brinkmanship. Um, right. <laughs> no, this, I gotta say, they're not guys, their guys just don't throw, the guy in, in France just not throwing something out. That's all coming from the home office and they've studied it. A hundred guys have studied it for yeah. six years. Before. No, yeah. it's, not a, it's not an impromptu group. They don't call American football, we call them audibles. They're not a big name in audibles. Right? You've got the party line. So somehow the ambassador, i tell you what, Ben, hang on. I'm going to come back. i to take a short break. I'm going to come back to Ben Harnway. He got me laughing there. No, but they, this is, they don't wing it, okay? They're, they're a, it's one of the reasons they're such a tough enemy. Uh, they've gone through some horrific times. They have killed more people than any regime in modern history. And I take that from, you know, the pre-Napoleonic War. They're an absolute killing machine. 
but they're deadly serious. They do not wing things. This whole issue about mm, the sovereignty of these nations hit like a bombshell, as it should. Short commercial break. Ben Harnwell, head of our International Bureau, located in Rome, will join us in the world. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want, the way you want. Download now. Ron DeSantis tried to cut seniors' benefits. In Congress, DeSantis voted three times to cut Social Security, even to privatize Medicare. Worse, DeSantis wanted to raise the retirement age to 70. Ron DeSantis would make us work longer to get less. President Trump promised. We will protect Medicare and Social Security. President Trump delivers, and he always will. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Okay, welcome back. By the way, the timing of Governor DeSantis, remember, I'm a big fan of what he's done as governor, um, because I think Disney and these corporations have to be taken on and have to be confronted. Um, But I'm not a fan of this trip. I think it's very bad timing, particularly given all the controversy, right? You're not going to prove you've got international stroke by taking a couple of days and going to shake a few hands of the Korean trading companies and the Japanese trading companies having a couple of photo ops. Just bad timing, not a serious idea. And Governor Sanders is a serious person. So he's just getting more and more terrible advice from his consultants, from his handlers, and from the big money donors. Governor Santos, you just have to understand, hear what they have to say, and remember, they're always wrong. This just has a terrible look to it, particularly given the timing, everything that's going on in Florida and everything that's going on really in this primary right now. Okay, um, Ben Harnwell, uh, the controversy of the Chinese Communist Party is making a big move. This is all part of the Third World War, and one of the parts they're doing is politically and trying to divide people, they dropped a bombshell. All the clowns in Europe are all kowtowing. Oh, CCP's going to be here. They're not going to back Russia. Total lie. Russia's their junior partner. It's a merger. The CCP, the criminal organization, and the KGB, they're underwriting. They dropped a bomb on Macron and these guys to say, yeah, you know, I'm not even sure Ukraine's 
got its own sovereignty. And I'm particularly not sure that Crimea has sovereignty. I think it's part of Russia, sir. That's right, Steve. Um, and interestingly, looking at these arguments is that you would automatically assume, understanding the wider picture, that they're really sort of hedging arguments that they're going to use in the future with, um, with respect to Taiwan. And I don't necessarily think that's what they're doing here. I think it's actually rather more subtle. First look, firstly, let's look, um, let's look at what they're doing here. They're using arguments about being interna internationally recognized uh, sovereignty recognized under, in, under international. Why are the Chinese using these terms? What, what are they doing? I think this is part of China's wider pivot, Steve, into being the new guardian of the rules-based international order. However absurd that might strike, it does seem to fit a certain pattern of, of how of China's measuring over, over recent weeks, if not months. I think this argument that they're using here with regards to these three Baltic states specifically underlines that. But they're, not, they're not saying, Russia, you know, these, these countries are part of Russia, Russia's large, and Russia can just go in and take it. Um, it's a bit more subtle than that. Um, and I, I'm just flagging that up, the way they are posing this argument. They're talking very hard in terms of, of, of international law. And I actually think that's a genius masterstroke, right? Yes, because it's it would a masterstroke. It's a total masterstroke. Yes. It would appear, Steve. It would appear, Steve, that um, that on the one hand, looking at this, that what they're doing is it, it is a, it, it is genius, right? What they're doing here. I think. I think yeah. you know, you were one of the first people, I think, to, to fundamentally start hitting this point about China. Of course, the whole of the, everyone's on this now. The, the uni party's on it as, as well. But you you always said to look at the Chinese and to treat them with respect. Um, because they're very, they, they understand, you know, they might be communists, they might be a thug, violent, criminal regime, um, but unlike a, a violent, thug, criminal regime, these people think things through, thinking in the long term. Um, and I think generally in the West, we've been underestimating them with regards to that. Uh, specifically, let's look at the subtlety of, 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 of what they're doing here then, um, because it would appear that this, on the one hand, that this is showing that they're alliance with Russia is ironclad, wouldn't it? Um, however, however, looking at this argument and saying, well, you know, these countries that have never had their, uh, their, um, their status recognised, there is another country, Steve, on, in the UN, um, who's, a, who's a permanent member of the UN, Russia, um, and that, that hasn't actually ever been ratified either. All Russia ever did was basically assume the mantle of the collapsed USSR. Now, so what China might be doing on the one hand looks to illustrate as if its support with Russia is ironclad. But on the other hand, this is an argument that cuts both ways and it could actually weaken Russia's position with regards to the UN if other countries wanted to push it in that okay. direction. I actually think I, it's a far more intelligent yeah. than it. Than, um, yeah. I, yeah. We're, we're going to get to the Ukraine situation on the spending tomorrow with you. We'll get you back on as part of our the thing on the budget because we got to get to that. But I, I want to show this is why we got Ben, an Englishman in Rome. That's that Jesuit thinking around the Vatican that that's so duplicitous that you got to love it. Right. <laughs> the Chinese are doing this to show that the Russians themselves don't have the sovereignty. That's the great thing. Of, this is why the China, CCP always hated the Vatican. Ben, we got to bounce. 
How do people get to you on social media and all the great work we're doing? We'll have you back on tomorrow because what you talked about is Ukraine's got to be front and center in these budget negotiations. That has to be front and center. Uh, where do people go to you for your for all your content, and particularly the special content you're putting up on the uh, on the newsletter every day? Thanks, Steve. Well, if, if folks particularly want to, to see more of my beady-eyed cynicism with regards to international affairs, firstly, it's my Getter account at Harnwell. There it is at Harnwell, simply my surname. And then you also mentioned, look, no one's got more beady eyes when it comes to me when it when it when, when it requires a, a real cynical view. Anyway. Then the other thing is the newsletter, right? I, I, I say go to uh, yeah. warwin.org, register for that newsletter, and that's Sign where up. you're going to find my uh, exclusive original content. Okay, great. Uh, we want to push it out harder everybody to get it. Download the podcast, get the newsletter, get Ben's exclusive content. Ben will be back on tomorrow because he hit something very important. I have a story in the Times of London. They're living large in Kiev. You ain't living so large in East Palestine. We're going to get to that tomorrow. Ben, thank you very much. MyPillow.com. You need to get a great night's sleep, not a good night's sleep, because you're manning the ramparts here in the war room. MyPillow.com. Promo code war room. Buy one, get one free on the MyPillow 2.0. Massive discount on the topper. Go there. They check it out. Short break. We're back at 6 o'clock. We're going to talk about the Red Wedding Day. Don Lemon out. Tucker Carlson out. Susan Rice out. What does it all mean next in the War Room? War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension. High blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. Dot com, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out.